need one, let me know. I'll, I'll get you one here. And I appreciate bringing yours back. And hopefully you do the reading. On page 16, there's always a reading that you can do to kind of get caught up and get uh, mentally prepared for the next lesson. And uh, I don't necessarily do it Monday through Saturday like they suggest, but I do it before Sunday. Uh, and I would encourage you to do the readings every week end before the next Sunday. We're on lesson four, but before we get started, maybe someone has a Bible memory verse you want to try out on us. Joyce. Jody. Amen. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. All right. Did you have one, Stacy? The same one? Go ahead. Good. Very good. See, now you get a piece of candy. You can't say ditto and get a piece of candy. It doesn't work that way. All right. Anybody else? Janie. Amen. The fear of the Lord. Joseph was talking about that the other night. The fear of the Lord, beginning of wisdom. Anyone else? Bible memory, going once, going twice. Well, Jason, will you hand this out to these ladies? No snitching. Running out of the good stuff again. They, they pick all the good stuff out of there. I got to reload. Uh, there's still some goodies in there, but it's not like it was. All right, we're going to be in lesson four. We're going to be in Genesis 41. Genesis 41 and lesson four. And as we go there to Genesis 41, I'll read from page 17 here. When God works on the other end, I really like this lesson. I hope that you get out of it what I got out of it, just studying it for it. It's a good reminder. God works on the other end. Um, And Mrs. Spear quoted 1 Samuel 2, For them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And then the first sentence in the paragraph there, it says, thank you, it says, When we often have an easier time believing that God can work in us than believing that God can work in the lives of those for whom we are concerned. Boy, isn't that the truth? Anybody besides me have a hard time believing that God can talk to other people or work on other people like he does on us? And it's true because we we have a relationship with the Lord. We, we're in tune with the Lord, or at least we're trying to be. And, but we're just wondering, if, you know, if he can do it for someone else. And we need to realize that God works on both ends. And if we're praying, we need to pray with the faith that God is working on the other end that we can't see. While Joseph was in prison, his God was working on his behalf in the palace of Pharaoh. And so that's where we're going to pick it up here. And I said Genesis 41. I just want to read the verse right above Genesis 41. Because that verse says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Verse 1, and it came to pass at the end of two full years. Okay, so Joseph gets thrown in prison for something he didn't do. 
He's in prison, and these guys come in, and they've got their dreams. He interprets their dreams. The baker, he's he's done for. Three days from now, he's going to be executed. But the butler, he says to the butler, remember me. When you get restored in three, three days, remember me. Tell them I'm here for no good reason. And it says that the butler forgot him. And then in verse 1 of chapter 41, it says, two years, two years. And after a year or two of being in prison, I don't know if anybody here has ever been in prison for any length of time, Mr. Spear probably, but after two years, you kind of forget. Just forget it. It's, 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 It's not happening. But you know what? Even though it doesn't feel like it's happening, God works on the other end. God is still working. And so God is is waiting and his time is perfect. And so at the end of two full years, Pharaoh dreamed. And behold, he stood beside the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and fat flesh, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kine upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kine did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kine. Kine, by the way, are cattle. So Pharaoh awoke. And he slept and dreamed the second time, and behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, Aha, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. We dreamed a dream in one night, and I and he, and we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream did he interpret. He did interpret. And it came to pass as he interpreted it to us, so it was. Me he restored into mine office, and him he hanged. And Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. So verse 1, at the end of two full years, at least two years now he's been in prison. He's been in prison probably more than two years, but at least two years since the butler got restored. Two full years has passed since Joseph has been falsely accused and placed in the king's prison. In prison, he met Pharaoh's butler and baker. Joseph was able, enabled by God to interpret the dreams. The butler promised to remember Joseph, but after two full years, it seemed as if he were forgotten. Verse 23 of chapter 40, he was forgotten, at least for a couple years. No doubt God worked in Joseph's heart during this time of loneliness. I don't know what God needed to do in Joseph's heart. But God was doing something in Joseph's life in those two years in the prison. And I don't, again, I don't know that anyone in here has been in prison for any length of time. But whether you have or not, I'm sure we can all imagine what it must be like. And I'm sure their prison isn't like our prisons today. And I'm sure there there were two years of just solitude and wonder. And what's going on? And God, what are you doing? And just talking with the Lord and letting God talk to him. And it does seem like he has forgotten and that God's not remembering And so he had to trust God to find comfort in him. But we want to emphasize that God also was working on the other end. It wasn't like God wasn't working. 
He just wasn't moving as fast as we want him to move. See, you and I have a lifespan of about, well, for Delmer's sake, I'm going to say we have a lifespan for about 100 years. And that's not really a very long time. God's lifespan, so time for him, he's just not in as big a hurry as we are. I mean, if he waits a couple of years, it's not a big deal to him because it's just not. But the Lord is at work in the lives of people. And there are times where I know I have felt like it's just a waste of time and it, nothing's happening. He's not doing anything. He is doing something. We just can't see it or feel it or know it. But just because it's not happening as fast or as quickly as we would assume it would have happened doesn't mean he's not working. Doesn't mean something isn't going on. And sometimes, and I've learned this, I've tried to understand, sometimes when I've assumed it to be so, it is the exact opposite of what I assumed. When I'd assumed that this person or this situation, it's not necessarily true. So keep on being steadfast. As the song that Mrs. Slagle chose this morning, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And that's what Joseph did. He continued to take care of the prison. He continued to be in charge of manage the prison. And for two more years, he just waited. So number one on page 18, God deserves to be honored. The verse that Mrs. Spear quoted in our memory verse, 1 Samuel 2.30, them that honor me, I will honor. But it doesn't say immediately, does it? Them that honor me, I will honor. Honor the Lord. And one day, he'll honor you. In this story, we learn that God deserves to be honored. God's word says that. Even when Joseph was in prison, he was true to the Lord and honored his God. He continued to honor God. When, when the butler and baker were amazed at his ability to interpret the dream, he gave it to No, God did it. It's God that, it's God that gives me the ability to do this. Uh, and everything seems to have gone wrong, but Joseph realized that the Lord deserves to be honored. If, when we think about God and all that he is, he certainly deserves to be honored. He's eternal. He's almighty. He's omniscient, meaning all-knowing. And he's omnipresent, meaning that he is everywhere present at the same time. And that's impossible for us to even understand. But he can be everywhere at the same time. He's not just working on you right now. He's working on a whole bunch of other people right now at the same time. And it's all because he has the ability because he's God. He is not only here with us. He is everywhere at the same time, if this is true. And if God can work here on our end, he can also work on the other end. And I just love those stories that, prove that you heard me tell the story about the the man that was up on the roof tarring the roof and he was basically ready to curse god god if you exist why don't you prove yourself to me and down on the sidewalk someone was handing out gideon testaments and and uh this guy got this gideon testament and looked at this i don't want this junk and flung it and it went just over the top of the wall and smacked the guy in the head on the roof that was just telling god he wished he'd show him something god works on both ends now that's kind of an immediate thing but God works behind the scenes on both ends. If you've ever watched that movie War Room that came out several years ago, you know, you got this, this jerk of a husband who's going out to eat with some other woman from his job, and at home his wife is praying. God's working on both ends at the same time. You don't always see it. You don't know what's going on, but God's working. Sometimes the Lord impresses upon our heart a person, a name, someone. And we're not even... Why did that come to my mind? Maybe God wants you to pray for them right now. 
Maybe there's just something going on that you don't. And so you just you just start praying for this person that you're not even sure why you're praying for. The, the Lord, see, God works on the other end. We just don't see it, and so therefore we're not sure it's happening, but it is happening. If we'll honor God, he'll honor us. Our confidence must not be in ourselves, but in the secret place of our lives where we have chosen to honor God and believe he will keep his word. So honor the Lord. Stop looking around at what everybody else is doing and what you think everybody else is doing or not doing. Just do what you're supposed to do. Uh, I used to play soccer, and uh, I don't. I, I think playing soccer is a lot more fun than coaching soccer, especially little kids, because I know it was true for when I was a kid, and I know it's true for most coaches, uh, especially little kids. Wherever the ball is, that's where every kid on the field is. And the coach is pulling his hair out because you're supposed to play your position, all right? And when the ball comes to you, you kick it, and then, but you stay in your zone, your position. And sure enough, there's just this mass of bodies everywhere, wherever the ball is. It's like, rah! And you know what? That's the same thing with God. We don't stay in our position. We're always running around trying. Just stay where you're supposed to stay and trust the Lord and be patient and wait. And understand that he's working on the other end while you don't see what's going on. <clears throat> God speaks to men. God speaks to men. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. We realize something uh, as we see this story. And that is that God is working. And he's speaking to people uh, in ways that we might not recognize. Hebrews 1 verse 1. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. God uses his word and his son is the word and God uses his son to speak to us. God spoke through prophets and our true living God still speaks today. We don't have prophets walking around because we have a Bible we can carry around and the Bible is called the word of God. Isaiah chapter 45 says this. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said unto not unto the seed of Jacob, Seek ye me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from time, that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior. There is none beside me look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and it shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear I'm God and I can handle it I will take care of it there is no one else I am, I am God I can take it and handle it and deal with it Let's turn with me to Psalm 85 Psalm 85 Psalm 85 and verse 8 I will hear, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints 
but let them not turn again to folly. Do you have an ear, ear that's open and a heart that's open to hear? David said, I will hear when God will speak. You know, a lot of people don't ever know what God's saying because they never are around when he's speaking. They're never opening the word of God. They're never where the word of God is being opened and preached and taught. And I encourage you to be in church. I encourage you to be around God's people and to open your, your Bible and to read it for yourself. I will hear what the Lord will speak. We have no excuse. I've seen this comic floats around on Facebook sometimes. And it's this guy saying, God, why don't you just speak to me? Out from heaven comes this hand with a Bible, you know. He already has given us his word. We just need to read it and let God's word speak to us and show us and guide us and direct us. God does speak to men. Uh, we we have a true and living God who speaks to people. Just Friday night in our hope class, we've been talking about the second step, and that is that the Bible is absolute truth. And so many people, including someone I talked just a few weeks ago, who has all kinds of problems and addictions and issues in his life, stares at me and says, but you can't trust the Bible. No, you can't trust the Bible. I can. I know it's true. And because I know it's true, I follow it. And I didn't say it this way, but I wanted to say, and my life's way better than yours. But I did say, and I have no reason to stop following it because it has proven itself true and it has guided me and directed me. And, and without saying it, I kind of was trying to say, and I'm not sitting here begging for help like you are right now because I believe it's true and I know it and I can follow it. But as long as you keep resisting it and arguing against it, you'll never listen to it. It'll never change you and make you what you need to be. Quit being stubborn and let God's word speak to you. Psalm 119, verse 105. And Psalm 119 is a chapter filled with Bible verses. I mean, literally Bible topic verses. Psalm 119, verse 105. They call this the Bible chapter. Virtually every verse has a mention of God's scripture in it. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You ever have your headlights go out on you? It'll kind of change your attitude about driving when all of a sudden you just can't see or your flashlight or something and poof, it's just dark. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I need his word to guide me. I need it preached to me. I need it taught to me. I need to study it. I need to hear it. I need God's word. And, and, and even though I heard it last year, doesn't mean I got it all remembered. And I, and I even got all out of it that I heard. You ever read the Bible and said, man, I never saw that before. Of course you saw it before. You just never saw that before the way it's given to you now. And that's the wonderful thing about the Bible. It's just filled with nuggets that you didn't get the first time around. And we need to hear God's word. Never say to yourself like you did with um, Algebra 2, well, I'm never going to use that again. You know, there's a lot of stuff in school I probably haven't used much, you know. There's another comic that goes around on Facebook. says, sure, I'm glad I learned all those parallelograms. Sure is coming in handy during parallelogram season. You know, instead of taxes, tax season would have been better if I'd have learned how to do my taxes. Uh, I don't use parallelograms very much. I'm not even sure what a parallelogram is. Uh, but I remember doing them one time. But you know what? That's not the Bible. 
the Bible's not some class subject you go through once and never have to go through it again. It's always going to be necessary. You need it for every day of your life. It's the most important education you can give or get. God's word. And so God speaks through his word. And if you're lacking direction, it could be that you're not listening to his word like you ought with the full attention as Psalm 85 or say I will hear I'm going to listen not just the parts I I'm not going to skip out if you're coming on Wednesday night you're hearing me teach on dating and marriage and courtship and some of you are gray-headed gray-headed and bald and thinking well I don't even need it listen there's probably something in there that you can get out of it even though you think you don't need it I'm telling you right now just about everything everything that God's word has in it applies to all of us in some way or another Isaiah 30 and verse 21. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21. It says, And thine ear shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. God's Holy Spirit speaks to us. God's Holy Spirit. We hear God through his Holy Spirit. I can't say that I have ever audibly heard the voice of God, but I know there have been times where the Holy Spirit of God said, hey, 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 remember this. You know, wake me up out of my fog and my and my unconscious state and say, wait, 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 don't forget this. There's a reason for him doing that. And if you're saved, now if you're not saved, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You need to get saved. But if you are not saved, the Holy Spirit of God is not dwelling within you and you don't have this ability to listen and understand his word. But if you're saved, you've got the word of God, then you have the Holy Spirit of God who is guiding you into all truth and helping you to understand what the word... And we were talking about this the other night too. That's the problem with with someone who rejects... Well, I tried to read the Bible. Listen, you've got to have the Holy Spirit to understand. And so the word of God makes a whole lot more sense once you get saved because now the Holy Spirit is there to guide you and to give you understanding and the ability to communicate with the one who wrote the word. God leads through his spirit. I can think of a time where God specifically reminded me in my heart and mind about so-and-so who I needed to go see. And it was a good thing I did because he got saved that morning. God speaks through his spirit. Not only that, Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs chapter 25 And verse 11, God speaks through other Christians. He uses his word. He uses his Holy Spirit. And then, humanly speaking, with the word and his spirit, he uses Christians. And Psalm, or excuse me, Proverbs 25, 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. And and there's times where you might say to a certain preacher or teacher, oh, that was just... Oh, I needed that. And, and it wasn't really the human being that was so special. It's just that God used that human being. God used that human being, and they were a blessing to you. Other Christians, other Christians that just encourage. I think about uh, Miss Larray over here who got a tip one time with a note on it and a really nice tip that was, that was a prod from a Christian to encourage her and to speak to her heart about her need for the Lord. God used a word fitly spoken. Don't be afraid to say things to say kind things to people and encourage people and and to teach people in a a God-motivated way because God uses other Christians. This morning, Caleb texted me and said that Dwight Smith is at his church this morning. And I was thinking, 
it was Dwight that was at the grocery store that saw Jody and said, hey, why don't you come to church? And she did. And we've been stuck with her ever since. But you know what? What if Dwight hadn't said anything to her? She might have never found us. You know what I'm saying? God uses people. And, of course, we know the story of Cassandra and the gorilla and all that. God uses people, and that's a way that he speaks to us, his word, his Holy Spirit, and other Christians. And then God uses and speaks through circumstances, and that's back to our story in Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41 That's the circumstances that we see today. In Genesis 41, God is using the circumstances of Pharaoh who just happened to have a dream. Well, isn't it a blessing? We know who's in charge of that. And God decided, okay, the time is right, and Pharaoh's going to have some two weird dreams. I don't know if he had anchovies before he went to bed or what the deal was, but he had two very strange dreams. And through a dream, God stirred Pharaoh and also prodded the memory of the butler. God knew that the Pharaoh's dreams would remind the butler of Joseph. And God spoke to those men and dealt with them. And next thing you know, Joseph is called up from prison. And they gave him a razor and told him to shave and clean up. You're going to go stand before Pharaoh in the royal court. And you can get on your knees and talk to God about someone. And God can speak to that person on the other end. Anybody like me have this problem? I tend to assume that the person that I'm concerned about is exactly in the same state as the last time I talked to them. Is anybody like me? The last time I saw them or talked to them, this was their attitude, this was their direction, this was their thinking. And you know what? Maybe God's been working on them and I don't know the whole story. Maybe there's something going on. I don't, and so I have to be careful that I'm not letting God work and trust him to change their heart. And so I'm making a judgment based on the last time I spoke to them. And, and, and in a sense, we, that's all we can do. But let's also hold out hope that maybe things are changing. See, that's what Joseph probably was learning. Joseph was probably one day in the prison, maybe it was a year and a half, and he's thinking how rotten his brothers are. Anybody here argue that his brothers were rotten? They were rotten. But maybe after a year and a half, the Holy Spirit said, you know, I've really been doing a work in your heart. You've really grown and you've learned some things as you've communed with me. And then the Holy Spirit might have said something like this to Joseph. Do you think maybe I've been doing that with Judah since you last saw him? Do you think maybe I've been working on Simeon and Reuben since the last time you saw him? Because when he does see his brothers, what does he do? He just kind of tests them to see if they've changed. He, 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 he just very, very coyly and very uniquely, he just waits to see, have they changed? And he was, when he found out they had changed, his heart was broken and he just started crying. And uh, maybe there's somebody, you can write down a name if you wanted to, of somebody that you cannot stand because of what they did or who they are, blah, blah, blah. But that was seven years ago or three years ago or two weeks ago. And maybe the Lord's working on their heart and you need to remember that. And praying that that is the case. So that when they come, see the the father stood there on the porch waiting for the prodigal son to show up. 
I do love the fact that the prodigal, or excuse me, the father did not go chase the prodigal son. Did not go find the prodigal son out of the pig, but rather just hoped and waited. And one day when he saw that figure on the road walking towards him and he realized it was his son coming back, he's already ready to forgive him. And maybe you and I need to learn how to pray and to think like that, that yes, last time we talked, they were not, they were very disappointing. But I am ready and hoping and waiting and praying and assuming that God's going to change their hearts so that when I do see them again, I don't have to go through this bitterness struggle. I've already dealt with it. It's over. I'm waiting for God to do a miracle. And I'm trusting that he will. God speaks to us and he will speak to others. He works on the other end also. And I love this whole concept here. I love this study. It was a blessing to me to to realize this and to remember this in my life as well. So what happened? Verse 15, Genesis 41. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I've dreamed a dream and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh and saying, it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, in my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river and behold, there came up out of the river seven kind, fat fleshed and well favored. And they fed in a meadow and behold, seven other kind came up out after them, poor and very ill favored and lean flesh, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. And the lean and the ill favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I awoke. All right, so what, what does that mean? And he explains the dream to Joseph, but I love what Joseph says. It's not really me that interprets dreams. I, I just listen to what God says. It's God that does it, not me. And so the last point we see here, God does what is right at the right time. And we see in the life of Joseph that God does what's right and he's never late. We think he's late. We think he's waiting too long, but he always does it at the right time. And when Pharaoh had a burden in his heart and was troubled, then God worked on the memory of the butler to tell about Joseph. And so when Joseph saw the butler, he didn't say, thanks a lot. Could have happened two years. No, he didn't say that. God allowed it to happen at the right time for a reason. God brought Joseph forth just at the right time and made him ruler over all of Egypt. We spend much of our lives trying to get things from God before we are ready to receive them. If you're praying for something and you don't understand why God's not answering the prayer, maybe he's still working on the other end. Maybe he's working on your end and you don't realize it. Maybe you you don't realize you've got some work you need on your end and, and he's definitely working on the other end. And the time just isn't right yet, but it's going to happen. And we got to believe that God will do what's right in the right time. Um, you ever wait for a cake to bake? The old-fashioned way of figuring out if a cake is done or not. You take a toothpick, right? And you stick, and, and let me tell you something right now. It smells done before it's done. As far as I'm concerned, it's done. I don't care if it's soupy inside. Let's eat. Take a toothpick and you stick it through and you pull it out. And if the toothpick comes out with goo on it, not done. Comes out clean, okay, it's done. And 
when I was a kid at my house, there was probably 100 million toothpick holes in the cake, you know, because... But that's, that's what we're doing here. We're waiting on the Lord. We're, we're, we're trusting God and, and learning patience. And maybe that's what he's doing, is teaching us some patience. And he's letting us wait for a reason that we don't understand. Look at Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30, verse 18. Therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. Now I like that verse for lots of reasons, but I'll tell you one reason why I like that verse. It has two words in it that are the same word. And one's at the beginning and one's at the end. And at the beginning it says, therefore the will of the Lord wait. And at the end it says, now you need to wait beginning it says therefore will the lord wait the lord's wait you know the lord's waiting the lord's waiting for a lot of things he's waiting for things to happen the way he needs it to happen it has to fall into place first before he can do what he wants to do with us and so here we are waiting on him but the thing is he's waiting on us and other people and so he and it says he'll wait that he may be gracious unto you well it seems like he's being unmerciful to make me wait no he's being gracious unto you Good things come to those who wait. Some of the greatest gifts God's ever given you was unanswered prayers. What a great thing that he didn't answer all my dumb prayers that I prayed in my immaturity and selfishness. Therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. Therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. He's he's really good at discerning things. Best there is. So blessed are all they that wait for him. I mentioned Caleb a minute ago. I don't, he'll be real embarrassed if I said this, but I'll say it anyway. Tough luck. He's in Phoenix. He would love to get married. He sees his sister getting married. He sees other people his age and younger getting serious and having girlfriends, whatnot. And he's like, Pfft. but he's realizing God is in charge and it would be way better for me to wait on God than to hurry up God especially on that subject wait be patient and you know why because he wants to be gracious was God gracious to Joseph you better believe it God changed the whole life of Joseph and the world and his family and everything but he had to learn to wait for God and God's waiting for a reason and so if God's waiting we just have to trust him and be patient and think what God can do when he is ready to do it we know he can do it we just need to be patient and wait for him to be ready to do it and then when he decides to do it we are ready for him to do it I don't know what's going on but I did see pictures of a church somewhere back east that seems to be having a revival taking place where just people are just getting right with the Lord just just getting right with God, just getting right with each other, getting right with the Lord. And I know God wants that. And we need to desire that and pray for that to come. And when it comes, we are ready. So we need to wait for when God's ready. And the box here at the side margin says, millions have come to the Lord because someone on this end prayed and God worked on the other end to bring them to Christ. We might not know what's going on behind the scenes, but we can trust the Lord 
that he's not just sleeping on the job. He's working behind the scenes, and praise God for it. So with that, we'll close. Anyone have a question about anything or a comment about anything in the life of Joseph or any Bible question at all, anything at all? All right, well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to learn to wait and to trust you with the other side that we can't see. And uh, I'm sure it's a beautiful story when we get to heaven and see the whole picture. But right now we only see our side and we only see our version. We don't see the other side. We don't understand the other side. So help us to wait patiently and trust you, knowing that you're not just working on us. You're working on other people. You don't just concentrate on us. You concentrate on everybody. So help us to realize that even though we've passed a judgment based on our human discernment, things could still be changing and things don't have to be permanent. That's evident in Joseph's life where people in his past changed. And probably he himself changed along the way too. Help us to be patient and wait for you and recognize that you are waiting just for the perfect time. And we thank you for the lesson we can learn from this in Jesus' name. Amen.